Hello, everybody. Tom and Keith with you. And a reminder, uh, as we always do, that the Dunlap Champions Club should be on your must-see, must-do list. Perhaps it already is. And uh, to those of you who uh, have already purchased your tickets, we say thank you. But you should get on board. It's a great football experience. Your food is covered. Uh, you've got shades. You've got AC. It's, just a, it's a great social experience, but it's a great way to watch the game. Dunlap Champions Club, very good to us because they bring you the Sunday edition of Front Row Knowles, uh, commercial-free, along with our main sponsors, Prime Meridian Bank and Hobson Chevrolet. And, and I go back to your point. If you've not ever been there, you got to go at least once. You'll be hooked. A better way to do it might be to try the three-game ticket package, uh, which includes Virginia Tech, Florida, or Clemson, and then two of the other four remaining home games. But however you want to shake it down, uh, it is an experience that, that, that's worth enjoying to uh, take in Florida State football. That's the Dunlap Champions Club. Get on board. 644-1830, the number to call. 644-1830. And without further ado... Front Row Knowles, first look. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles, first look with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles, first look is presented by Hobson Chevrolet in Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Front Row Knowles, first look. Tom Block, Keith Jones, Florida State. What a thrilling come-from-behind win, and we know that it's Louisville. We'll put everything in perspective, but given the way the season has started and where Florida State was about the midpoint of that fourth quarter or maybe the start of the fourth quarter, you can't discount that that was a significant comeback, an improbable win for Florida State. Sitting at halftime down 21-7, you're thinking to yourself, this is this is going to be Syracuse all over again, although the score wasn't as bad because Florida State had kind of been dominated in that first half. They come back and outscore the Cardinals 21-3 in the second half a dramatic uh, long 58 59 yard uh, catch and run by uh, Murray for that uh, game winning touchdown and uh, you got to be pleased with the kids from the standpoint Tom of of, of effort uh, in that uh, they didn't quit during this ball game and you and I talked about uh, before we started there were a couple of times in this contest when uh, I think that the the Florida State team of two weeks ago or three weeks ago might have quit and let this game get away from them. But they didn't uh, uh, on Saturday up in Louisville, and they come away with a very much-needed victory. I think that's my biggest takeaway on the positive side for Florida State is just what you articulated. Obviously, as as you folks know from listening to this show regularly, we'll get into the offense and the defense, and uh, we'll hear from DeAndre Francois in just a little bit, and also A.J. Westbrook, who had the interception. I mean, that, that obviously is the storyline there if you're looking at it from a game standpoint. When in the world does a coach – ever throw in that situation and lo and behold Bobby Petrino couldn't get out of his own way there and threw the football uh, there's been one other time that comes to my mind and those are listeners that have been around for a while and that would be the choke at Doak and, and one uh, HBC head ball coach at Florida uh, that kind of let his ego get in his way, and FSU roared back. That time it was not for a victory. It was for a tie, but this time Petrino uh, inexplicably uh, choosing to, to call a pass play. You can fault the quarterback for throwing it the way he did or where he did, but the fact is that that play came in from the sideline uh, when all they should have done is run the ball, run the clock, and, and give it back to Florida State and make them drive the length of the field. Uh, it, it, it is a little bit of a, did Florida State win this one or did the Cardinals give it to them or at least present them with the opportunity to take it uh, it's probably a little more of the latter than it is the former big picture quick Cliff's notes here the secondary needs some work 
The offensive line with Landon Dickerson at a new position at left tackle did not allow a sack in this game. The running game still can't get on track, but the passing game and the receivers starting to look like a pretty solid group there. If you can give DeAndre time to throw the ball, and, and he needs another second, second and a half for some of those intermediate and, of course, those long passes, uh, I think you also saw the receivers step up with, with yards after the catch. The thing that continues to puzzle me, and I know it's directly related to the offensive line, and we did get uh, uh, Dickerson back, although he started, by my recollection, Tom, you correct me, I, I, I've never seen him start at left tackle Um, so he was back after missing two weeks two and a half weeks starting a position that was brand new to him Uh, you had made the comment during uh, you know one of our breaks in the ball game that it's kind of a sad commentary where you take a lineman that's been out for two or three weeks and you put him back at your weakest position even though it's a position he's never played before and he's the one that's been out for two or three weeks Uh, but nevertheless they did but back to my original point when you give uh, DeAndre time to throw the ball these receivers have proven that they can make some catches and they can run with it afterwards. And uh, you hate to rely exclusively on the big play, but unless and until you get that running game going, uh, if it's there, you better take it. I thought further about the Dickerson thing, and the other side of that coin is to say he's our best lineman, and that's the most important position, the left tackle. So we're going to put him there in the hopes that things get better. We'll talk about the offense in the next segment. Uh, Let's listen to Coach Willie Taggart. This is courtesy of Seminoles.com. He, by the way, was back in the state where he played and coached at Western Kentucky and where he had told Gene Deckerhoff he spent most of his adult life, uh, you know, certainly all of his 20s and into his early 30s, I guess, in the state of Kentucky, comes away with a win. He obviously was pleased, his first ever ACC victory. This is Coach Willie Taggart again, courtesy of Seminoles.com. Man, what a win. Um, Good win for our football team. Um, I think our football team took another step um, today. Um, it was really good to see how resilient those guys were and, and to go out there and fight uh, to the end and, and make winning plays. And I was really impressed with our, our seniors stepping up there big uh, when they needed to step up and make plays for us with um, A.J. and, and uh, um, Naquan Murray uh, made some huge plays for us there late in the game. And, again, like I said earlier, um, I thought our, our, our football team took a, a, another step in the right direction. And, uh, like I said, we're nowhere where we need to be, but we're headed that way. Really, what was what, we can hear it a little bit? What's the locker room like right now? How are the coaches? How are you? What, what is this feeling like for you? Oh, winning is living. <laughs> I'm good. You know, um, same same thing with our players. They're excited. You know, uh, I think they're really excited because of how they they stayed together and fought through. You know, um, our team fought the entire time and, and found a way to win. And that's something we talked about today. Uh, winning is a way of life. Is how you carry your, yourself daily and what you do. And we didn't care about the score. All we cared about winning whatever it's going to take to win and, and our guys um they believed in it they stuck to it and they stuck together and it was so great at halftime them believing and, and saying we're not going to leave here without a victory and, and again guys made the plays when we needed it and, and found a way to win coach you uh, you preached about changing the culture at Florida state since you've arrived last year in these tough situations the team folded you know they, they came back won the game what does it say about how, how much progress you've made in that department? So, so. Well, um, like I said, it's, we're moving in the right direction. You know, um, again, early in the year, we wasn't where we're at now when it comes to that culture and what we, we need to be. And um, each game that's uh, gone on, we've learned from it. And, and, and I think our team are understanding more about what I mean when I'm talking about changing the culture and getting to how we want it. You know, and, and these last two games, um, I thought we made big progress 
and, and trying to change the culture. Again, we're not completely there, but our guys are working really hard to, to um, get it how we want it. And I thought today was uh, another jump in that, in that direction. Coach, as they were driving there at the end, were you surprised at all when they threw the ball? Huh? Were you surprised at all when they threw the ball there? Uh, yeah, I was surprised and happy. So, um, I mean, I figured they were going to run the ball and make us use a timeout and get out of there. And um, it was great. I'm glad they didn't. And it seemed like after that, the sideline just kind of came alive. Did you mm-hmm. kind of feel that momentum going? Well, yeah, and obviously um, that's a big momentum change for our team. And we needed that. We needed a takeaway in, in, in the worst way. And, um, we were talking about stripping because we thought they were run the ball, and, and it was great for AJ to be right there and, and intercept that ball uh, when we needed it the most. Do you feel like you kind of stole a victory here, concerning that you know it was, you know, they were up, they had the ball inside the twenty there, but two on this one? I wouldn't say stole. I thought we took a victory. You know, um, they turned the ball over. We had to drive the field to score, so I wouldn't say we stole anything. We went out and and and. and Got a victory that we wanted. Your willingness to go forward on fourth down is that because of the confidence you have in your players? Absolutely, and we said from the beginning we're going to be aggressive when we when we need to, and um, I believe in our players and, and believe that they can get it done, especially when they're concentrating and and, and uh, focus on what we need to do. Coach, how much do you think the program needed this win, especially the way you got the win? Um, we needed this win, um, and we need every win. You know, we're we going every game trying to win. Um, we don't want to lose. That's not something we try to do. Uh, but we needed this win to c- continue the progress that we're trying to do with our football program. And this was huge for our team. And I thought it was uh, a huge, like I said, a huge step in the right direction. Um, I think when you win big, that's easy. But when your team is down on the road and how the resilience to come back and and find a way to win. That is so big for our football team and and where we're trying to go. Coach Tagger could just smile. He says, uh, yeah, I'm a little surprised they threw, but I'm glad they did. Well, we were listening as we were packing up equipment and walking back to the buses after the game, and and uh, they had Coach Petrino on the big screen uh, in his post-game comments and uh, his conference, press conference and comments, and uh, he as much as admitted that that was a mistake. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, given the way the season is uh, unfolding, uh, I'm not going to be one to complain about it, and I'm certainly not going to give him a victory back. This is not the biggest storyline, but when you consider what happened two years ago when Florida State got embarrassed 63-20, to and really they could have put 80 on FSU that day. So to come from behind and do this, and really this is two out of the last three times because in 2014, FSU was down 21 nothing to Louisville, and then Nick O'Leary fell on a ball in the end zone. It was 21-7, and Florida State rallied for that win. Same thing here, down 21-7. So the point being... It doesn't make up for losing 63-20, to 20, but you did come back and sort of rip the heart out a little there at the end, the way that game finished up. As you pointed out, though, having the heart to come from behind, uh, that, that was big. Here's the other point I was going to make, though. Just think back one year ago. One year ago, James Blackman, early in his career, Florida State and Louisville were tied at 28-all, and Blackman fumbles the football. And I looked this up. With two minutes and five seconds left in the game, Louisville goes about 50 yards, kicks a field goal as time expires. So now you have the other team's quarterback with 152 to play in the game that they're leading 
throws an interception and Florida State goes the length of the field and wins the ball game. I mean, it's just it, it's the exact opposite of how it ended a year ago. How many times, Tom, have we said the cliche that it is, but football is a 60-minute game. It's not a 58-minute game. It's not a 57-minute game. It's a 60-minute game. Uh, just ask uh, Penn State uh, how they feel about 60 minutes of football uh, and others, uh, both uh, during this year and years past. Uh, you've got to play the full 60 minutes. You've got to take advantage when the other team makes a mistake stake and Florida State was able to capitalize on it last night the second half comeback is the big part of the story that we'll focus on but I thought early in the game when Louisville got the field position tilted in their favor you got a short punt from Logan Tyler a 35 yard drive they're up seven nothing the crowd is into it and I was impressed that Florida State went right down and tied the game that was to me that was the question we had talked about this week last week they played from ahead they looked comfortable how are they going to respond when adversity hit? And they, they checked that box. Average starting position, I think, the entire first quarter was something like Florida State's own 16 or 17-yard line. And one time they started from the one. might have been the first uh, series that FSU had the ball. So you're exactly right. Uh, the ability to, to drive the ball and score without any continuity, without any rhythm. The offense did not get off to the same start that they did last week with the two consecutive drives for touchdown. And you look at, the, at just the stats. Louisville had 170, 180 yards of offense in the first half. Only had 60 yards in the third quarter quarter and uh, finished with with well over 400 for the game when you figure in everything that happened in the fourth quarter but FSU's defense was playing well enough to keep them in the game FSU's offense had yet to get untracked and of course they did that well in the second half talk offense momentarily I will remind you that there have been a lot of changes in the banking landscape lately one local bank just sold after 100 years others are closing or consolidating branches and there's one local bank you can count on Prime Meridian Bank on the web at trymybank.com this is Front Row Knoll's first look We'll dissect that comeback. Uh, I don't know if it's for the ages, but certainly it's uh, the best comeback of the short Willie Taggart era. We'll get to that when we continue momentarily. Front Row Knowles' first look is presented by Hobson Chevrolet in Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith. 21-7, and when you're down at the half, it always feels like that first drive is so important in the third quarter, Keith. And so Florida State was receiving the kick because they had won the toss and deferred. And lo and behold, they come out. Hit a, uh, I don't remember the exact scenario, but they were ahead of the chains, and there comes the flag for holding, and now they're behind the chains, and they end up punting, and you think, uh-oh, it doesn't look like it's going to get much better in the second half. You know, you, you think whatever adjustments have been made at halftime, you're down 21-7. You get the ball back. If you drive down, you're down 21-14 right back in the ball game. but you're exactly right. You, you get going, and then you start sputtering. And, again, the offensive line uh, is at least in that particular series where you point the finger. Uh, FSU was, was able to overcome those mistakes and, and get untracked. And as we talked about, outscore, ultimately outscore Louisville 21-3 in that second half. But it didn't look good, didn't start good uh, coming out of the blocks but reverse the coin the defense played lights out in the third quarter Louisville was unable to get anything going there were a couple of three and outs during that period and uh, FSU's offense finally found its rhythm found its footing as they got further into the in the beginning of the fourth quarter we mentioned Landon Dickerson so he had a holding he had the holding call he also had two false starts and so three penalties playing a new position 
And at tackle, you've got to move more than you have to at guard. And so he's got a bad ankle, too, new position on the road. A lot of factors working there. I'm not as concerned about those pre-snap penalties from him. I think that those will those will get worked out. But here's the... Here's the $64,000 question, Keith, that we're five games in, and the answer may be it's not going to get fixed this year. But how in the world can Florida State run the football? Because they haven't been able to do so so far. They keep trying. It's easy to say, well, we should just throw all game because DeAndre's successful. But part of the reason he's successful is because of the insistence to run the ball and and bring people into the box to, to shut down the run. FSU had 89 offensive plays last week, ran the ball 58 or 60 of them. Uh, The Knowles had 58 offensive snaps against Louisville. Uh, 31 of them were rushing attempts. They netted 76 yards. That's two and a half yards a carry. That's not going to get it done for you. You're not going to win in Miami doing that. You're not going to be Clemson. Not going to be Florida. Not going to be NC State. Am I a broken record yet? You've got to find, we've got to find, they've got to find, we all got to find some way to find some running game. I thought the attack reverted a little bit against Louisville as opposed to the week prior. Too much east-west, too much side-to-side, not enough north-south. I didn't think they loaded up the tight end, went two backs, uh, and committed to trying to find some creases like they did. Uh, And again, part of that has to do when you're playing from behind. You were down 21-7 as that second half started affects your play call until you get caught up. I get all that. But nevertheless, that continues to be the elephant that uh, Florida State's got to find some way, some way to get out of the room or it's going to ultimately come back and, and be a, 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 a an albatross. I'm changing to animals on you there. Did you notice that? I did. And it, it's, it's just going to be the downfall of this ball club uh, at a key point later on in the year, period, the end. Well, and this is not how you want to – run the ball necessarily but I mean Trayshawn Harrison only had one touch he got 10 yards on it he was good last week to me he's got to get three touches a half or something because something good happens with the football in his hands and so that's a way you can steal some run some rush yards and and maybe he being different in whatever way different is once he gets those three a half six a game uh, ends up with 40 or 50 yards then that opens things up for for Patrick and for for Cam I I don't know I do know that uh, that Cam Akers is not he continues to not be his normal self Uh, we had reports during the week that his ankle was heavily taped Uh, he was a full participant in practice but uh, he's just not he's not his normal self that extra burst that extra cut and and I made the comment on our pregame show if you read between the lines of what Walt Bell is saying and sometimes what Coach Taggart is saying relative to the Russian attack, yeah, it is majorly the offensive line. Maybe, maybe 70, 80, 85% offensive line. But there's also some comparative negligence in there in that there's some times when the running backs are either not patient or they're too patient, or they're hitting the wrong hole, or they're hitting it at the wrong speed, or they're not looking for the cutback. And there's enough blame to go around in this rushing attack that everybody needs to refocus, double down, and and be a lot more serious in practice this week as they get ready for the Hurricanes. Can't beat Miami, I don't think. Can't beat Miami being one-dimensional. Got to find a way to get that running game going. Part of the blame with the running game goes on DeAndre as well. And we've talked about his his inability to look comfortable on the on the zone read, and it and and we don't know how many of these now are actually true reads or are they just calling them runs. But if they have taken the option out of it, 
that's also on the quarterback because now you're not running the play that's you know you're, you're changing your offense because it's not being executed well and, and that's a very good point uh and there are some quarterbacks that just you know i, I never i mean I, I don't think chris winky was ever asked to run any type of read option, but I would tell you Chris would probably want one of the Florida State quarterbacks of the past where I would tell you he probably was horrible at it. Casey Weldon, on the other hand, might have excelled at it. Who knows? Just looking at the two different temperaments between the two, DeAndre uh, just doesn't seem to, to be as acclimated or, or, or uh, instinctive in reading that play and running that type of offensive set. Uh, I don't know what to make of that. I don't know if he'll get better at it during the year or if this is something needs to take some time during the spring. But either way, uh, Florida State, you're, you're exactly right. Florida State is hindered by his inabilities. That said, they're also helped by his abilities, and he can certainly throw the football. He's throwing a better ball this year than I remember him throwing in 2016. Now, he needs time. I still think his pocket presence could be better, but he had a second half for the ages there. He started out 8-for-8, threw three touchdown passes. I mean, one was another beautiful bomb to Terry. The throw and catch to Trey McKitty was tremendous. And then the throw to Nooney really was more on uh, Nooney, but he finishes with 294-yard passing, a career-high four touchdowns. We do have to tip our cap. And he was kept pretty clean. He got hit some, but he was not sacked. That he wasn't. And conversely, and we'll talk about the defense in the next segment, defensive line and, and some pressure from outside, got four sacks against the Cardinals. But but he was not sacked, was knocked around a little bit, but was upright and clean most of the time and delivered the ball well downfield. He was... Uh pleased as you would expect after the game but he's a guy that uh, not necessarily overly emotional I mean he, he's kind of introspective and uh, and gives you some well thought out answers so I talked to him briefly uh, after the victory and here's those comments uh, in that conversation with DeAndre Francois. DeAndre uh, just just take us through the last drive I mean you get the ball in the turnover and everybody was surprised that Louisville threw it there but uh, now you take the field you don't have much time left uh, take us through the demeanor in the huddle and, and then the touchdown to Nooney. Well um it all started with the drives before that. Well, it started at halftime. We just telling the guys on offense that let's take it one play at a time. Um, let's stop starting behind the chains and stop, you know, getting stupid penalties before we can even give ourselves a chance to move the ball. And then we came out of halftime, <clears throat> and that touchdown to Trey, Trey McKitty on the sideline gave us a lot of momentum. And um, we knew that the defense needed to get a stop. And Louisville was moving the ball for a little bit. And then once we got that stop, we knew that we were going to have to drive and go score. And while they were driving, I was telling the O-line and the offensive guys on the sideline that we're going to have to go and score and win this game. We're going to have to make something happen. <clears throat> we just scored a touchdown to Trey McKitty, but in order to win this game, we're going to have to drive down the field and go score. And Coach Tag continued to call great plays. The O-line gave me time, and Nooney did, Nooney did the rest. How significant? It's one win. But how significant, given you were down 21-7, it's been a tough start to this season in a Coach Taggart's era. I mean, there was it's a pretty happy locker room in there. So how significant was that second-half comeback? It was huge. Um, it was huge for us as a team. Every win is a great win. But but for us as a team to come back from 21-7 um, after all the adversity that we have been through, especially on offense, shows us that we can do whatever we want to do on the offensive side of the ball. We just got to continue to execute, continue to practice great, and trust the process. We know that. You know, the talk around the country has been we're not executing the ball, moving the ball on offense, and we're not doing this on offense, and we're not doing that. But today we showed that we can score in a hurry and we can, you know, come back from a deficit. It was a great win. Congratulations. Appreciate that. Thank you. 
Francois and the Knowles improved to three and two. We'll take it. Nyquan Murray with uh, the first touchdown and the last touchdown. Uh, the last touchdown was something uh, in that the, the run after the catch, and I happened to, I was about the, the 15 yard line right where he went into the end zone there. And, uh, you know, about when he's at about the 25, he looks around and sees three guys, but he also sees Tamari and Terry and says, I think I'm going to go that way because Terry can block one of these guys, and that's exactly what he did that freed him up to get in the end zone. It was, it was a great catch and run. Uh, Tamari and Terry, in that regard, his blocking ability reminds me a lot of, of the great Lawrence Dawsey. Uh, Dawsey was selfless down the field, either on a run or when someone else caught the ball. Pretty fair receiver in his own right, and we think that uh, uh, this guy's going to be that as well. Uh, but you're right, uh, Mooney, uh, Nooney rather, uh, made sure he found some help, and that was able to get escorted into the end zone 58, 59 yards out. Side note, when I was looking back at the box score from last year's game, I had forgotten that Nyquan Murray scored two touchdowns in the fourth quarter against Syracuse a year ago. One of them, he fell on a ball that Jacquez Patrick fumbled. Then he caught one. Here he gets the touchdown in the first quarter and the game-winning touchdown. So the point being, Bobby Petrino and Louisville are going to be tired of seeing Nyquan Murray. <laughs> uh, I'm going to be tired of seeing Bobby Petrino at some point in time. I'm always scared to death for that, the entire ball game. I'm scared to death on that last drive that he pulled some uh, rabbit out of his hat with even, with no time left. And uh, and uh, he's, j- he's just a formidable play caller and an unbelievably innovative offensive mind at the head, co- head coach position. But sometimes you can outthink yourself, and that's where our conversation will continue and when Front Row Knowles' first look rolls on momentarily. Front Row Knowles' first look is presented by Hobson Chevrolet in Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith. I'm sure somebody will take the time to dig it up, but it's just one of those things, and we already mentioned this in the first segment, you just don't see teams throw the ball in that scenario. I mean, they could run it. Even if they didn't kick a field goal or score a touchdown, Florida, if they turned it over on downs, Florida State's going to have to go 85, 90 yards and do it in 40 seconds. It's one of those things that uh, is inexplicable, a proper word. Can we say that? Is that the word? But, but you see, and, and we kind of alluded to it, you see it sometimes from these great offensive minds. They are so confident, borderline and maybe even arguably cocky, in their offense's ability to do what nobody else says can be done, that they end up shooting their own selves in their own foot with their own gun. And that's basically what Louisville did on their last, uh, next to last possession and turn it over to Florida State. A.J. Westbrook was the one who got to uh, secure the bag on the sideline there by securing the pick on the field. And I wasn't uh, – I, I talked to A.J. and we'll hear that, that uh, momentarily, that interview. I had forgotten until seeing some of the other media reports that A.J.'s very first start was at Louisville two years ago. Derwin James and got hurt the week before. And then he put A.J. in, who was inexperienced, and they asked him to try to do some Derwin James-like things. And the result – was not very good, as you recall, that day. There were a lot of breakdowns, but A.J. was part of it. And so uh, I don't know that he said he felt vindicated, but uh, he should because that was a pretty big-time play. And probably as interesting about the big-time play, and I'll let you tell our listeners about it because you've already shared it with me. Well, but well, the difference between two years and what you look for, what you pay attention to, and what speaks to you also speaks to why – experienced players sometimes can make the big plays and inexperienced players get get burned 
here's that interview, and he'll he'll explain exactly what he saw on that play uh, that led him to jump that route and 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 come up with what was uh, just a truly amazing play for Florida State. Here's the conversation with AJ Westbrook. AJ, the obvious question that I know they're asking uh, on the Louisville side right now is why did he throw the ball in that situation? So were you surprised, first of all, that a pass was called? And then just to tell me how you saw it from your eyes as you made that pick. Yeah, I was surprised that they threw it because at first they were checking the play to see what we were in. So he checked it, and the tight end did like a little hand gesture to the quarterback. So I was just like, I'm going to just sit right here and just jump it. So as soon as I jumped it, he threw it. And I was just like, oh, well. <laughs> That's something for them to explain. But for this team to have that happen, not only your interception, but also the big score to come back from 21-7, especially given the way this season started. And you've been around here a while. I mean, what is that? I haven't seen this much joy in the locker room in a while. It's just great because we, we've been working since spring ball, came summertime, and, like, we've just been grinding, like, I just feel like we've been doing so much, but we've been getting, we've been shorthanding ourselves sometimes. So when we pull out a big win like this, it's, it's always good. They threw the ball with success today, Louisville I'm talking about, particularly between the hashes or down the seam. Was there something uh, that they were doing in particular that was making it tougher for you guys to – it seemed like there were guys running more open than what we've seen so far this year. No, it wasn't nothing they were doing. We were just out of position at times. We got to do better on that. Like We got to really do better on being in a position. Your thoughts uh, just in general on the significance of this win? I mean, I know it's just one win, but, uh, you know, sometimes the confidence that comes with it, the enthusiasm, that can go a long way. Every win is good. It's hard to win in college football, so you have to take every win as, as, a, as a victory. So we're going to take it, enjoy this win, we're going to get back to work on, on Monday. It looked like you enjoyed your turn with the uh, turnover backpack, by the way. Oh, yeah, I love that bag. But when the bag come out, you know somebody getting paid. That's right. It's the turnover bag, not the backpack. Congratulations on the win. Thank you. So he's paying attention. He sees the uh, the, the tight end make a signal to the quarterback. And, uh, I mean, you, you heard how it unfolded. But uh, good for the senior and, and Florida State boy. And, and turnovers – certainly fumbles are largely luck. I mean, there was a play in the first half where DeKalen Brooks sacks the quarterback, knocks the ball out of his hand, and the quarterback ends, it bounces right back up and he grabs it with one hand. Then there was another ball loose. I mean, Florida State, if there's 10 guys around the ball and only one of them's wearing the opponent's uniform, the opponent's going to fall on it the way it's gone. So kudos to him for, for making that play. Now, let's talk about the downside uh, defensively here, Keith. Louisville could have scored several more touchdowns easily. There were receivers running free all game long, and the quarterback just couldn't connect with them. What was going on? And, and, you know, a lot of it was between the hashes, but some of it was on the sideline. I mean, there were just coverage busts all over, it appeared. Maybe not coverage busts, but just guys that were, were not where they should have been. There certainly were some coverage busts, and I know that a lot of folks will think that Florida State was in man coverage a lot. I thought, and, and I'd have to sit down and go play-by-play play with Coach uh, Harlan, let him explain to me what they were doing and what the call was, but it looked to me like with the naked eye that there was a lot of zone in which they were playing too deep, and our safeties are just not reacting to where the quarterback is leading them. They're just kind of staying in their zones. Occasionally they'll jump something, but they're not gravitating towards where the threat is. Now, Petrino and Louisville's passing attack did a great job because in most of those situations, they were bringing two vertical threats. Well, that puts a whole lot of pressure on a safety. Well, in order to get two vertical threats to the safety level, you've got to have some time. So, so Louisville was holding the ball, which 
the converse of that, it resulted in four sacks and, and a couple of interceptions. But there were times when that dual vertical threat, when Florida State's in two deep zone, was forcing Florida State safeties to play, and they didn't make the play. They either got there late or they didn't get there at all. And if, if, if Pass had been able to hit a couple of targets, uh, the end result of this ball game would have been different. I want to dig deeper on that. So you say that's tough on a safety. If it's one vertical route, even if you're in zone coverage, in effect, once the guy enters your zone, you're now playing man. But if there's two vertical threats, you have to make a decision as to which guy you're going to go cover. And you, is, that, is that what you're trying to? That's exactly what I'm telling you. And what, what you, you do to make the decision is you read the quarterback. The quarterback will take you. That's why... I, on offense, you hear coaches talking about, well, he was so good about looking off the safety. That means he was looking one way and then turns back the other way to deliver the ball. Pass wasn't looking off anybody. He, he is still learning how to throw. Uh, when you're looking off a safety, you're a junior or you're a senior. You've been playing for three or four years. So when you've got a youngster back there, Look where he's looking. Jump where his eyes are going. Turn your hips outside. Turn them inside. You've got two vertical threats. He will take you where the ball's going. Go ahead and jump his eyes. Don't jump the route and get closer. That way, if he makes an errant throw, you can help because you've got somebody underneath. If the ball is, is short, you hopefully have a linebacker, a corner, whoever underneath. But the ball is where it's supposed to be. You've got an opportunity to make a play on it. Certainly, if it's overthrown, you've got an opportunity to enter accept it. Um, I'm telling you from, from the standpoint that I did it, it can't be that hard, but it does take practice. It does take work. And right now our safeties are not playing well in that aspect of their game. And somebody's going to exploit that, or they're going to they're going to continue to be exploited for that. Well, well, let's uh, you know. I talked to Harlan Barnett this week, and it, it's sort of like a chicken and an egg conversation. The pass rush isn't getting home; it's missing by a split second at times. And if you could cover a split second longer, then the pass rush could get home. So what what do you? I mean, I mean they will blitz. I mean some of those sacks. I mean Dontavious Jackson came right up the middle on one. I mean they're running blitzes to get home, but still being a, a step or two late has not uh i feel like we've uh we've been got rather than getting them or whatever the expression is uh it's it's not equal at this point you just got to keep working at it tommy there is not a magic pill or a magic solution uh you've got to keep working at it with your front four you've got to keep working at uh whether you got a stem before the snap, much like virginia tech did against florida state in the first game of the year uh whether you stunt with twist or, or uh, things like whether you slant and jump gaps. I mean, you've got to continue working on things because you can't rely solely on the blitz. You've got to find a way to get some pressure. Remember, too, you don't have to get the sack. The sack is not the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal, goal is first to make the quarterback to make a decision quicker than he wants to. And the second one is to get him off center to make him either step up in the pocket or step out of the pocket where there's a breakdown. He's got to regather himself, and, and not every quarterback is good at running the ball, excuse me, throwing the ball on the run. So it's not the sack. The sack's kind of the third thing. The first thing is to make him, force him into a quicker decision. Secondly, to get him off center. And thirdly, to get the sack and try to continue to work at finding a way to do that with four people, not with five or six when you're bringing pressure. Because normally when you're 
big pressure, you're in man coverage. And sometimes, you know, our, our younger defensive backs, particularly when the, you're going four and five wide and you're asking a safety to cover a, a 6'3 or 6'4 receiver, you know, that's a matchup that, that offenses want to put you into, and they'll try to exploit them. It is a chicken and an egg thing. You just got to keep working at it. And, and occasionally the lights will come on and things will happen for you. You just can't abandon your principles. But all the way back to my original comment, if you're going to play too deep secondary where you're protecting against the long ball, you've got to read those quarterbacks' eyes and you've got to be able to jump routes when they get into your area. And Florida State safeties have just got to find a way to get closer to the ball or it's going to continue to be wide open and it'll end up being a very long season. One note on the touchdown just before half, because uh, that was key, obviously. It got Louisville a two-touchdown lead. Maybe they, they went over this on the television broadcast. I don't know. But Kyle Myers had come out, I want to say, four plays before the touchdown. And so Asante Samuel the second went in. And the first two plays, Louisville did not throw at him. Then there was a timeout, and Kyle Myers had his helmet back. I thought he was going back in the game. He did not. The next play was the pass interference on Asante Samuel II. The next play was the touchdown. And my point is, that's coaching and credit Louisville because they're up there and their eyes in the sky recognized right away that Florida State's best corner is not in the game and we got to go out as a replacement. And, 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 the, and the replacement is a young guy that sometimes is overly aggressive, very, very talented, but very, very green, very, very raw, and they exploited it as mature offenses will. Okay, we'll come back. We will turn our attention to the Miami Hurricanes here momentarily and clean up whatever we've missed uh, in talking about the Louisville contest. We'll do that right after we do this. Front Row Knowles' first look is presented by Hobson Chevrolet in Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith. Florida State gets a thrilling come-from-behind win over Louisville. The Knowles go to 3-2. and two. Uh, didn't allow a sack. I haven't said that enough times here, right, in this in this uh, show. Keith, let's let's talk about the special teams because they continue to not be special for Florida State. I do feel like, uh, so let's be fair on the punt returns, uh, we didn't have a hold, I don't think. We, had a, we didn't have any flags. There was a muffed punt. Now, you used to return punts, so walk us through uh, what the punt returner should be doing or, or how that should be handled. And really the question is, was that just bad luck or was it, something Florida State should have been better at to prevent that from happening. Well, I'll tell you, first of all, it was bad luck. Uh, what happens when a punt is extremely short, your return man uh, has, a, has a signal, a call. Back in the old days, uh, it was Peter. Peter, Peter, Peter. Uh, that's just uh, something that carries well. And when you say that, anybody who's trailing in a block position, their job is to get their head back around, locate the football, and get away from it. Well, in this particular case, it looked to me like DJ was doing something. He was waving his arms. Whether he was calling out anything verbally, have to ask him, have to ask the other players. The unfortunate part of it wouldn't have mattered if the player who had the ball hit them had they got their head back around because it hit them in the head. And that's where it's just unlucky, just unfortunate. Normally what happens is the ball hits the ground and starts bouncing around and, and kids have got to jump away from it. This one hit in the air before it hit the ground. I, I call that bad luck. It looked to me like DJ was trying to communicate with his with his fellow players. Uh, you could only ask him or ask them whether he actually was. But again, repeating myself that's bad luck to me not necessarily coaching or bad play that that was my take but it was just such a bad punt uh that florida state was unfortunate there the rest of the special teams there were no field goal attempts uh logan tyler 
you know, re- remains inconsistent. He'll hit a short one, then he'll then he'll boom a long one. Uh, the kick returns have not gotten any better this year, and I thought they would. Now we, I think we only ran one out, and Amir Rasul seemed hesitant, which is no way to be when you're about to hit the the the, the defense. Well, and remember, to Louisville pooch kick twice. Two of their kickoffs were pooch kicks, so you you're not going to get a return out of those anyway. That's true. I'd, I'd forgotten about that. Um, okay, uh, we'll talk about uh, the, the, the end play that won this thing for Florida State momentarily. But I do want to mention that Nyquan Murray, I don't remember which drive it was in the third quarter, but there was a play, it was maybe third and 15, and he catches the ball about 10 yards from the line of scrimmage. And it looked to me, if he's cognizant of where the first down marker is, he can get to the stick. But instead, he cuts left, angling for a bigger play. And the point I'm making is that that's a a, a coachable, hopefully that's being pointed out when they go back and watch film. You've got to be aware of where the sticks are and when is the time to make a big play, which he did at the end, and when is the time to make a smaller play that really is a bigger play. And when you do that mental process, Tom, it's just like a baseball player. You know, if the if the count is two and two, and there are men on first and second, and you're the third baseman, right before that pitcher goes in his windup, you go, you know, if it's hit on the ground to me, I tag third to go to first. Okay? If it's hit to my left hard enough, I'm going to try to get two. Okay? If it's hit to me in the air, I'm going to immediately look to second and then look to first. Well, you go through all of that prior to that pitch being done. Well, when you lined up, you're going, look, I'm running a 10-yard route. We need 15 yards. If I catch this ball, my first instinct needs to be to be turning up and diving if I need to. For whatever reason, a senior in Murray didn't do that, and, and it could have cost Florida State big in that particular case, and ultimately at the end of the game it didn't. But those are the mental types of things that Coach Taggart talks about when he talks about efficiency and discipline and paying attention and knowing down and distance. Yes, does that what separates a good player from a great player? Yep. But if you want to be a great player, that pre-snap decision and thought process has got to be made a, a part of your ongoing uh, pre- preparation, or, or you're just going to be a good player or not a great player well however you classify him he made a great play to end the game and i shall cede the floor back to you <laughs> it is time now for our prime meridian performance of the game and we are going to give that award to uh nyquan nooney murray a 58 yard touchdown reception uh, a, a catch and a pass which ends up being the difference in florida state's 28 24 victory over the louisville cardinal prime meridian bank they're my bank and this year they are celebrating 10 years serving tallahassee crawfordville and the surrounding area outstanding client service, convenience tools like mobile and remote deposit, and one of the top-rated mortgage teams in Leon County. Not sure about your bank? Try Tallahassee's hometown bank, Prime Meridian Bank, on the web at trymybank.com. Just looking through the rest of the stats from the game, trying to clean some things up here quickly. Uh, the punt average was 43 yards, and the net punting was uh, was 39. So from that standpoint, good job by Logan Tyler and Florida State. The uh, the red zone scoring, FSU was actually only in the red zone uh, once, I guess, with a touchdown. That must have been the first of the game. The others were scored from outside of there. Um, I'm looking at this. It says 0-1 field goals. Did Florida State uh, attempt a field goal? They not did to not. My, not to my knowledge. Yeah. Um, the third downs were abysmal both ways. The offense was 3 for 13. That has to do with getting behind the chains. Uh, defensively, a team that was not converting at a high percentage of third downs 
time and again did hit for big third downs, and that speaks to some of the things we discussed in the defensive segment. And Louisville was last in the conference in converting third downs, and they ended up being 10 of 19, I think, in third downs. They even went forward on a couple of fourth downs. Uh, but the good news, Tommy, about all that is we can look at the metrics, we can look at the statistics, uh, we can evaluate, we can grade, and then we need to throw all that away because coming up you've got a, a rivalry game against a very good opponent, and it really doesn't matter. Because if you play as well as you've played the last five games, you're not going to beat Miami. You're just not. No, and, and that's definitely true. Now, I, I, do, I will say this. We know, both of us, we've been associated with the game for a long time. The team that is the better team doesn't always win this rivalry game. And you can pick any of the times that Miami ripped the Florida State fans' heart out, whether it's wide right one or, or the 87 game or the 2000 game with Jeremy Shock. I mean, pick your poison. Miami can do the same thing, uh, probably. Um, so I, I do think Florida State, you know, emotionally they'll be ready. I think they'll have a good focused week of practice. I also will point to this, Keith. I remember going down to the same stadium in 2010, which was Jimbo's first year. And now Miami was not as highly ranked as what they are right now, but they were well thought of and they were the better team or better. The program was in better situation at Miami than FSU. And lo and behold, if Florida State didn't win that game going away like 41 to 17 or something, and nobody saw that coming at all. Now, I'm not saying that's what Taggart's going to do. I'm just saying that I do think Florida State will play well this week. Okay, I mean, if you if you would, were to tell me that Florida State's going to throw the ball downfield 15 times. I would tell you that they probably would convert three or four of those into touchdowns. If FSU scores 28 points, they've got a good shot against Miami. But I would also volunteer to you the most consistent way that the prevailing team has won this ball game is to run the football and to control the clock. Uh, most rivalry games go back to old-fashioned blocking and tackling. That's just the way they are. The, all these kids know each other. They played with and against each other. This coaching staff, even though, even though uh, you know Coach Taggart's staff is new, uh, there's not a lot of creativity and a lot of difference in what Mark Rick and his staff does. Uh, their their process and their program is well known, and, and it's very good. But it's also very predictable, and, and something that you can prepare for. You've just just got to be able to out-execute them. Uh, so if Florida State somehow can find a way to run the ball with any consistency, I think that's going to be the key determinant on whether Florida State stays in this ball game. exception being if they make some big plays. I just don't like my chances if I'm relying solely on the big play against Miami because in like fashion, they can make big plays and they certainly can create some turnovers. And if I see that daggum chain come out one more time, I'm going to throw something at it. I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna intercept the turnover chain and hide it somewhere. <laughs> well, you, you know, Manny Diaz, who's a Florida State alum, as many of you recall, and he's a defensive coordinator for Miami, very aggressive. I mean, Miami, uh, it, it's tackle for loss after tackle for loss, and they're going to blitz and blitz and blitz. And so this is where you can't just say, well, let's let DeAndre throw it 50 times because he'll be coming off the field on a stretcher at the end of the night if you can't run the ball to slow down the blitz. I mean, you really – what Willie Taggart wants to do with his offense, and he will get there at some point – when you're running the ball efficiently, then the play-action fakes work. 
then the linebackers, everybody's held up. Then you have the extra second or two to throw the long vertical routes that he wants to throw. Not only that, you have the opportunity to run the 15 and 20-yard intermediate routes because linebackers are not getting their depth and corners are jumping things. So it opens up a couple of different phases of the ball game. obviously down the field, but also the intermediate stuff. <coughs> and I trade Trey McKinney. Uh, is as good over the middle as anybody. Terry over the middle as good as we've got. And if you could exploit that with some some ten and fifteen yard catches and and yards after the catch between the hashes like Louisville did, that's another part of your arsenal that would go a long way towards uh, winning when you go down to Miami. Kickoff, by the way, three thirty. So I think that's a break for Florida State. Now, don't be, don't get me wrong. It'll still be packed and it'll still be loud. I do think it's probably a little better than if it was a night game. Although, having said all that, Florida State hasn't lost down in Miami since uh, '04, maybe uh, something like that. The last quarterback uh, to lose to Miami in Miami, I believe, is Chris Ricks. And last I checked, uh, Chris turned 37 his last birthday or something like that. What, whatever Jeff Cameron's uh, promo is, our, our, our good friend Jeff Cameron, he's got a promo on it. I'm sure you'll hear it all during the week if you listen to this. <laughs> it's been a while is what we're saying. Well, it'll be a fun week. We will uh, be back with our regular show on Wednesday, and we'll talk much more about that matchup for now. Enjoy the win. It was uh, it was a nice come-from-behind win. Certainly unexpected for them to pull it out the way they did. Thank you, Bob. Everybody remember to send a, a nice holiday card to Coach Petrino for throwing the football in that situation. And uh, that's it for now. Keith, I'll talk to you Wednesday. And, uh, folks, we'll talk to you then as well. So long.